Blog Talk Radio. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the BHITB podcast. I'm your host, Dante Fortune. Today, we're going to be talking about the Psalm 83 conspiracy, the conspiracy to make Israel disappear as a nation. Uh, Tail Ministries is going to be joining me for this study. And before I go ahead and jump into the show, make sure you go to the BlackHistoryInTheBible.com website and grab your free book, Pre-Slavery Christianity. Make sure you click the confirmation link in the email so you can get all the updates. And we're just going to go ahead and jump right into the show today. Uh, let me go ahead and bring on Teo. Teo, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. How you doing, Dante? I'm good. How you doing today? Doing real good. All right, perfect. So let's let's just go ahead and jump into Psalms 83. So Psalms 83 is a multinational conspiracy to get rid of Israel. Uh, so why is it that the nations wanted to get rid of Israel in the first place? So if we if we read uh, the scriptures, right, we'll see that one of the things they wanted to do was to move Israel far away from their land, right? That was one of the goals. And uh, you will see also that the conspirator, because every time you look, you see who's the head, who's always mentioned first, is Esau. Esau is the conspirator behind this whole thing. Yeah, and Esau Esau comes up a whole lot. Um, do you think that has anything to do with the, with the whole birthright situation between him and Jacob? Yeah, I think ever since that time, you know, Esau wanted his birthright back, and he's been plotting to get it back. I think he made someone, either he or someone in his descendancy, made an alliance with the devil, with Satan, and uh, they've been plotting this. And if you, if you, uh, if anyone listened to our last show, you know, we talked about how Rome uh, was conquered by Zepho, who's a descendant of Esau. And if you look, you will find that Esau is the the head of this whole conspiracy. Esau, every time you look, is the one chasing Israel. And so I contend that Rome, and in, and in its form today, which is the head by Roman Catholicism, and all those Western nations are e- led by Esau. Now, some of those Western nations are made up of Japheth as well. But the head of that conspiracy is Esau. And we see that in history with Pope Nicholas V, when he gave that edict for the papal bull to go and make slaves of us. Now, it's interesting that you mentioned Esau being uh, behind the conspiracy. Now, do you think they're open? Uh, Like, do you think we're seeing Esau in the open, or do you think Esau is more behind the scenes now? I think Esau, well, it depends on how you look at it, right? The head, the head is the Vatican, and no one looks over there, right? That's the head. So they're sort of sitting behind in the shadows. But then you have who I believe are, uh, you know, mixed with Esau and Japheth, which is the fake Jews in Israel, right? I believe uh, many of them are Esau, uh, but they're mixed with Japheth as well. Yeah, and, and that's something that I'm really, really looking into now, the the who's mixed with who. Uh, because when I was in still, I guess I would put it under traditional church doctrine, uh, they used to teach that Esau and Ishmael, their lineages mixed together and became the Arabs. Is it possible that that some of Esau mixed into the Arabs and then also into the Europeans and other nations as well? Oh, definitely. I think Esau has mixed with a lot of people because, you know, I started studying Esau. I've been doing some real in-depth study on the Edomites. 
And, uh, you know, they were a huge nation. They were huge. And uh, so it's like they didn't just disappear. I mean, you know, uh, we, we know even from, like, the pseudopedagraphia and everything that they invaded and, and attacked Egypt. You had to be huge. And they made alliances with other nations, like in Africa, to attack Egypt. So uh, they were a huge nation. And, and you don't just disappear off the face of the earth like that. Right. I, I definitely agree with you there. So they go through this this trouble of getting Israel, capturing Israel, rounding up Israel with these other nations, and we'll name some of the other nations in a minute. But why would they go through the trouble of, of forging these alliances to make Israel forget and make the world forget instead of just killing off Israel outright? Because they knew they couldn't. Right, because you know Esau, you know Esau in the, in the past did know about Father Yah, right, and they know his power, and they've seen his power with with Jacob and you know with Israel. So you know you can't just make war against God and say you know I'm just gonna go wipe out your people. That's been tried, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like with Pharaoh, that's been tried with Herod, and uh, you know it, it didn't work. Right. Now, I agree with you, too, uh, on that, because every time they try to wipe out Israel, it fails. Now, let's get into some of the other nations. We have, uh, let's just start with the Ishmaelites and Moab. Those are two of the people named. And one of the um, interesting things about the Ishmaelites is that they are descendants uh, from Abraham through um, Ishmael. And then Moab are the descendants of Lot. So all these people are somewhat related to Israel. So why would they involve themselves in this, um, I guess, brother-brother beef between Israel and Esau? I mean, it's always been contention, uh, you know, throughout the Old Testament between Israel and them, right? It's always been there. And um, I think personally, you know, when you're a chosen people, people don't like it. And uh, whether, you know, how people view that, you know, being chosen, I mean, okay, uh, they got to realize it. Israel has gone through some stuff for most of their existence. I mean, they've been slaves most of their existence, but yet they're, they're the chosen of Yah. So, uh, you know, it's just, you know, it's just been that antagonism from the very beginning. You know, it's sort of like the favorite child in the house, right? The other children don't like the favorite child. And it's sort of like that, in my opinion. Now, people are going to say, well, God has no respect to persons, right? I say, well, you know, Old Testament-wise, he did. He chose a nation for himself. And so uh, then they say, well, you know, we're under, under the new covenant. I make the case that, yes, we're under the new covenant, but God chose a bride, right? Father Yah chose a bride for his son, and that was a people called Israel in, the, in that nation, Jerusalem. And uh, so, you know, I, I think, you know, as far as the Psalm 83, you know, uh, maybe we should read a few of those verses, and uh, then we can get more into that whole conspiracy. Okay, definitely. Uh, if you have a few verses in mind, go for it. Okay, I'm going to read a few verses. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm going to start from verse 1. Keep thou not silence, O God. Hold not thy peace, and be not still, O God. For lo, thy enemies make a tumult, and they that hate thee have lifted up the head. They have taken crafty counsel against thy people and consulted against thy hidden ones. They have said, Come and let us cut them off from being a nation, that the name of Israel may be no more in remembrance. For they have consulted together with one consent. They are confederate against thee. The tabernacles of Edom, see Edom listed first, and the Ishmaelites of Moab and the Hagarians, Cabal and Ammon and Amalek, the Philistines with the inhabitants of Tyre, 
Assure also is joined with them. They have hoped the children of Lot, Selah. Do unto them as unto the Midianites, as unto Sarah, as to Jabon at the brook of Kishon, which perished at Endor. They became as dung for the earth. Make their nobles like Oreb and like Zeb, yea, all the princes as Zebah and as Elmuna, who say, Let us take for ourselves the houses of God for possession. So I'm going to stop right there. So we see in, it, in these verses, right? That it's, they confederate, but they were confederate against God. So it's like, uh, it's not just so much us, but it's, they're going against God. And how do you fight against God? You have to attack what he loves, his chosen, right? And if you look at it, you see that it's all of Israel's enemies that we've seen in the Old Testament, right? It's the Philistines, it's the Moabites, it's the Edomites, it's the Amalekites. Everybody Israel hated, and they hated Israel, and they fought Okay, now they all come together to conspire against us, right? And so uh, as we go go down, we see that uh, in verse 12 it says, Who said, let us take ourselves the houses of God in possession. What does that mean? See, like modern churches, they ignore all these scriptures, right? They they ignore the fact that they want to take Israel as possession. They ignore the fact that the goal was to hide Israel. And and I like the study you did, Dante, where you went through and showed how uh, when they say let us cut them off, cut is the word kachat, which means to hide, right? And so we see that they wanted to move them far away from their land as well, right? We see that uh, in other scriptures. And uh, the whole story is to no longer allow Israel to be a kingdom, you see, and, and so the conspiracy is deep, and Edom is the head of the conspiracy. Now, it's, it's interesting, too, that you had read verse 12 and uh, pointed out the, the let us take for ourselves the houses of God in possession. Uh, because the first thing that came to mind as you were reading that was Genesis 9:27, where it says, uh, God shall enlarge Japheth, and he shall dwell in the tents of Shem, and Canaan shall be his servant. And I believe that's part of what we're seeing right now in Israel um, with the people who claim to be Jews, I believe some of them are Esau, like you said, some of them may be Japheth, uh, but they're basically over there messing with the descendants of the Canaanites over there, the Palestinians. And it's been this focus of taking from God, like you said, what he loves. They want to take his land. They want to take his people. Um, so now in the, in the research you've done, have you found anything that links um, – let me let me see how to put this. Do you have anything that links the conspiracy before the taking happened, or is it? Are you still the same stage I'm at? Just kind of piecing together what happened, and you don't have that concrete piece of evidence that says these nations right here conspired to take these people specifically. Well, you know, you're not to me at least. Let, let's say right now, we haven't gotten the, the minutes from the meeting, right? But what we do have right. is history, and there's certain things within history we see. And, and like as I mentioned before, we do see that Rome, and I'm talking about Roman Catholicism under Pope Nicholas V, he said, go ahead and make these people perpetual slaves, right? Not only did he do that, right, we, we see that, uh, remember last week I read about how when we were in Portugal, our people were in Portugal. They got kicked out of uh, Portugal and Europe and sent to Sao Tome and to Guinea 
right? But what I read, and that, and it's in their history, is that the reason they kicked us out was because we would not convert to Roman Catholicism, right? Now, remember back then, for for Rome, Rome was trying to be the preeminent Christian leaders, right? Uh, Esau, for all purposes, were one of the first churches, right? Now, I'm not saying they were God's church, but they were one of the first churches. And so, uh, you know, they try to force everyone to convert to Roman Catholicism. And so they try to force us. And when we wouldn't, they kicked our people back to Africa. And so we we see this 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 history of the Roman Catholic Church trying to convert the world to Roman Catholicism. They tried to convert us to Roman Catholicism, our ancestors, and and uh, they tried to enslave us. Right. So. The fact that we see that Roman Catholicism was the one behind trying to enslave us shows you from the scriptures that, you know, Edom was the head because Edom always listed first. We also see in the War Scrolls that Edom is listed first as one of the sons of darkness. And so uh, it's always Edom leading the persecution. Not only that, the Apocrypha says that Edom is the beginning of the world, and Jacob is that which follows. And so if we look at that, we see that Edom is the one who's in charge. If you, if, you, if, if you take that for what I believe it says, is that Edom is the one who's ruling this, this dispensation. But the next dispensation is going to be that of Jacob. Now, before I get back, because I'm going to come back to that right there, the, the uh, Esau being the end and Jacob... Um, being the beginning. Let me ask about this. This converter die. Uh, you mentioned that the the Catholic Church is trying to con- force us to convert, and we know that they put some people in coliseums, and a lot of people were put to death. And we see the same thing in Islam too. It's this convert or die policy, where they want people to convert away from the religion. Is does that have any biblical basis to where God told people to force people to convert or die under Christianity or Judaism? Nope. You never see God trying to force anybody to convert. In the Old Testament, it was God and his people. The other nations didn't have a part of salvation, right? They didn't have a part of of, of God's kingdom. But God always had a plan to bring the Gentiles in, regardless of what the Hebrew Israelites were, right? God always had a plan to save every mankind who would believe in his son. Uh, so the, you know, the whole idea that, uh, you know, you're going to convert by the sword. Okay. Like for instance, the scripture says that Esau would live by the sword and he'll eat from the fat of the land. Right. Who's doing that? Right. It's the Gentiles, right? Who, who, what we believe is Gentiles, which is made up of Esau really and Japheth and all of these people who sort of intermingled. And so, you know, it's like when you look at the history parallels, uh, what you see is Rome paralleling, uh, based upon what we know of history, in, in the books, right? Like in Jubilees and, and Zepho becoming the king of Rome, and and then and when we look in history, we even see that when during the Lord Jesus time, it was Rome who controlled Jerusalem, right? Who was the head of Israel? It was an Edomite king called Herod. So I mean, we see this 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 picture. Esau is everywhere. The Edomites are everywhere. And so, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, about Mount Seir being, you know, and everything. But, you know, it's funny because I was reading, uh, I think it was Jasher Jubilees about, 
how there was this alliance between Edom and, and, and uh, the Horites. And so um, and, and the leader of the Horites was Seir. And so they were fighting against Israel, and, I, and I'd have to go back and find it. And Israel beat their tail. So they sort of got split up, and the Horites left and went they were, their way, and, and Edom was getting a tail kick. So, so then later on, Edom turned on the Horites because the Edomites said, y'all abandoned us, right? So, I, you know, when you start looking at all these other books and, and stuff, you know, there's a whole big picture that, that comes to play that, you know, in my opinion, has been hidden. Now, that's interesting, and I do want to let me, let me jump back to the Esau being the end of the world. How do you, how do you interpret that? So, you know, the way I read it, right, because if you look at it, it says, in, in that scripture that, uh, you know, Jacob attached himself to uh, Esau's heel, right? Now, we see in, in what we call the canon, right, the 66 books, right? We see that uh, the attaching to the heel, you know, we, we always were like, okay, well, what does that mean, right? Well, in Second Ezra, it tells you that it's because Edom is the end of the world. Jacob is the beginning of that which follows. So, you know, the only... To the only, let's say, interpretation of that that I see that makes sense is the fact that Esau is ruling, right? Esau is the begin, the end of this world system, this this time frame that we're in right now, right? But the one that's coming, right, is for Jacob, and so that's why Jacob is attaching to the hill, because that's the the hill is the end of the man, right? So the hill is the end of Esau, right? And at the end of his rule. Esau's rule, that hill, right, at the end of it, Jacob is going to rule. Jacob has him by the hand, and I mean by his, you know, with his hand. And so he's going to rule next. He's taking control from him. So that's that's how I interpret that. It, it does seem to make sense because in that, in that context, it would make their very birth mentioned in the uh, canon prophetic. And one more yeah. time for everybody that's just now hearing this, can you tell them exactly what book and chapter and verse you uh, read that in? For which one? Uh, the the Jacob being the uh, beginning and Esau being the end. Yeah, uh, that's in Second Ezra. Uh, everyone knows it. I just don't have it down right now. I, I'll get it for you. Before uh, no problem. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes uh, for anybody okay. looking for it. Uh, it'll be uh, Second Ezra's. I'll find the exact chapter and verse. I don't have it right now either. Uh, but let's let's go ahead and move on. Um, do you think that Esau? In a general, I'll say the descendants of the Edomites who put the conspiracy in play. Do you think their descendants know full well what happened, or do you think that they're being used as pawns in an ongoing game and don't have really any idea who they are and what they're doing? You know, um, I think at the highest level, like, you know, at the top of the level of Roman Catholicism and maybe at the top levels of uh, Israel, uh, the fake Jews, uh, top levels of uh, the Western nations, they understand the conspiracy in its in its fullness. I think that middle level on down have no idea. You know that's why that scripture says, you know, of the Gentiles shall come saying, you know, we inherited lies and things where there is no profit. So there's there's a lot of them that don't know. And like uh, like even with the Christian Zionists, right? They think they're supporting uh, the true Israelites, right? Now you know you you gotta admit that, you know, as much as we've been out there today, I mean, I'm not just talking about us, I'm talking about 
you know, the true Israelites and all of the teachings and the preaching on the corners that they don't know that there's a huge awakening within the black community. They see it. That's why you had a few try to teach against it, but they go quiet because they can't defeat the evidence, right? Uh, you know, but but everyone is starting to realize, but they can't accept it, you know. Yeah, I agree with you, and I, I believe there's no way you can't know. Even if you don't agree with the um, camp doctrine, the fact that they're out there still points to the fact that we are waking up. Now, them not wanting to believe it is interesting to me because we have all this scripture, and why do you believe that they have such a hard time looking at the history of the Negro all over the world and then looking at the scriptures and then going point by point to see if it fits or not? Why is that such a difficulty for many people? Man, there's many reasons, right? One is you can't let the slave be the head. They've been the slaves for all, like, almost all of history. Now all of a sudden you tell me they're God's chosen people. What does that mean? That means one day they're going to rule over you. Can't accept that, right? So I can't look at that. You know, it's cognitive dissonance. The other thing is there's payback coming, okay? They know the scripture says that a man sows, that shall he reap. So, you know, it's like, well, I can't look at this because then if I admit that I'm a descendant of those who persecuted Father Yah's people, then there's payback coming. I mean, because that's a law. That's a spiritual law. And so, you know, I think that's that's part of it. And, and, and that's for those who are, are Christians, who call themselves Christians. And then you have the unbelievers. The unbelievers don't believe the Bible anyway, so they ain't going to accept none of that. You know, so... Right, and see, to me as a believer, somebody who professes to believe in Christ, I personally would want to know the truth. And if if I was part of the problem of persecuting and oppressing God's people, I would want to know that more so than hold on to my, I guess, personal bias. Because to me, if you know what's coming, they teach revelation, they, they believe the end of the world is coming, regardless of who they believe are the Hebrews. If you know the end of the world is coming, it would seem to make sense that you would want to get right with God and not oppress his people, regardless of how you feel about those people. But is, is, to me, it's starting to put Revelation in perspective where they just re outright refuse to repent. Even when we see in Revelation chapter 6 where they recognize that this is the day of the Lord and they still refuse to repent. Now, do you, do you believe that these people are really believers or do you believe that many of these people are just uh, only believing because they think that, that Christ is not a black man? Man, you know, you got some who are believers in my opinion, but they're deceived. Uh, and then, you know, the whole thing is this, if you love God, you truly love for the, uh, then it's like you say, you want truth. And there's a few people out there like that, a few, you know, Gentiles, Europeans, who, regardless of the color, they, you know, like you have a few of them, like Leah, you know, she has a, a channel, you know, she, she's even showing who we are. You have Dana Stevens, you know, he's talking about who we are. So you have those who, who truly wants to serve the Most High, who will accept the truth no matter where it goes. Now you have those who are caught up in religion and Christian Zionism, which, you know, hey, this goes against everything I believe, so I'm not going to accept it, and I'm definitely not going to accept that black folks are the true Hebrews, right? And so those people, 
you know, those are those nominal Christians, right? And and so, you know, when judgment comes, they the judgment's going to hit them just as hard as you would a quote-unquote unbeliever. And the other thing is, you know, there's a reason why, like, a lot of people, including myself, don't like to refer to myself as Christians because they didn't destroy the terminology of the word Christian, right? Because that's why we preface it with European Christianity, because they live their own version of the Bible. They live their own version of Christianity. And the, the true biblical Christianity is not what they teach. And so, you know, a lot of us want to, you know, want to refer to ourselves as a follower of the of the Messiah or an apostle of the Messiah or, you know, anything but that because they didn't destroy the identity of, of who a Christian is. Now, a Christian is supposed to mean a follower of Christ. But, you know, it's it's a different Christ, you know, like the scripture says, you know, they, they're going to follow a different Christ. And I think that's what's happening. And I agree, too. And I've I've felt the same way about that term Christian for a while now, even even prior really digging into um, when you when you and your brother urged me to look into the subject. I had already started feeling a certain way about the term Christian because it seemed to contradict a lot of scripture. So I started calling myself a Christ follower and kind of going back to what we said about the true believers, I do believe that the Most High will differentiate between those who would believe in Christ no matter what and are deceived versus those who are just refusing to look at the information. So we we have a few minutes left. Let me um go to this right here because this ties right into Psalms 83. So in Jeremiah 29:14. Now, Psalms 83, we know they had to take Israel captive in order to erase their memory, and we saw this from the transatlantic slave trade. They erased the language, the history, uh, the names. They split up the families so that they couldn't keep track of lineages, and they did all that stuff to erase who we are. Now, in Jeremiah 29:14, he's talking about in the the Most High is referring to the last days, the end, the end of the age. He says, "And I will be sound of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity." And I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places whither I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. Now that's from the uh, Old Testament, Jeremiah twenty nine fourteen. And then in Luke twenty one twenty four, it says, And they shall fall by the edge of the sword and shall be led away captive into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. So, in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, these aren't the only verses, but there's a bunch of them. There's this idea that Israel is going to be carried away captive. They're going to be taken as slaves. And yet when we discuss this notion of slavery being the reason or method of scattering of the Hebrews with European Christians, they always switch the conversation to migration. So do you know where the origin of the theory of migration comes from and why they don't teach what the Bible teach and say, you know, they were carried away due to slavery. Because it's those same people, because their ancestors were slave masters, cannot accept the fact that God's people were held captive by them. And so these obvious, clear scriptures, they ignore. And even in the Old Testament, even from Genesis to Revelation, from the 400-year captivity given to Abraham, all the way throughout with the weeping prophet, you know, is all... Why, 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 why do we have this story all the way throughout the scriptures of a captivity, 
right? Even Daniel was weeping and crying in Daniel 9 about this new coming persecution against God's people, right? It's all throughout the scriptures. And they, a lot of these people, a lot of these churches purposefully hide these scriptures, which is why they never talk about it, right? It's a purposeful deception, and a lot of these people are still under Rome. And some of the black churches are under Rome as well. Oh, I definitely agree about many of the black churches because the more I'm starting to look at it, um, I'm starting to look at a lot of the black churches where the pastor comes out of seminary and they've been indoctrinated with the, the Eurocentric teachings, and they don't even want to touch this subject. And I wish we had more time to go into it, but we've got about a minute and a half left. Uh, before we go, let everybody know how to find you on YouTube. Okay, on YouTube, just search for Teo Ministries. That's T-E-O-T-W, the end of the world, Ministries. And you can follow uh, underneath the videos. You'll see links to our Ning site. All right. Well, once again, thank you for uh, joining me on the show. Great discussion as always. Uh, for everybody else, make sure you go to blackhistoryinthebible.com. Uh, I'll have the show notes up. I'll put the verse from Second Ezra's in there for those looking for it. Make sure you go to Patreon. Got a lot of great food for thought posts up there. You get access to everything. It's only a dollar on Patreon. And make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Follow the BHITB Twitter page. It's somewhat new, only been up a couple of weeks. I haven't promoted it as much as I should have. But make sure you follow that. Tune in next time. Got a great show lined up for you on Wednesday as well. So until next time, I'm out. <laughs>